What's up, guys, and welcome into the Fantasy Mafia podcast. I am your host, Action Boss, aka Jerry, here with my two co-hosts, Doc, Doctor Fantasy, and Apex. What's going on, guys? How's it going today? Oh, it's going good. Everybody at once. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, pretty good, man. We're getting down to the wire of the season. About two weeks to go, almost. Yeah, actually, by the time this uh, podcast broadcasts or is going to be live for everybody, it, it will be two weeks from that day. Uh, it'll be on Thursday. So two weeks from today, we'll say, it's Houston versus the reigning champs, Kansas City Chiefs, to open up the season. Uh, we have a lot of stuff planned between now and then. And then throughout the season itself, um, we're going to be going live a couple times a week. We're going to have recorded shows three to four times a week, just Every show is going to have something different. Um, you're going to have your waiver wire show, your your start sit on Sunday mornings, your injury report. We're going to try to get some guests on. We're, we're in contact with some uh, medical doctors on Twitter, trying to see if they could come on for a couple of shows, maybe even try to get them on consistently like once a week just to talk about the injury reports and stuff like that. So um, a lot of stuff planned for the regular season. It's, it's kind of – it's going to be a – going to be a weird season i mean we're going to have not only are we going to have those regular injuries that that um that the players are going to get but there's the fear of covid there's um just i mean we could see a bunch of guys putting together some top 12 top 24 weeks uh that we normally wouldn't see in any other season uh, just because of that um today's show we are talking about the top tight ends and for the most part, tight ends, they're a streamable, streamable position. There's only really two to four absolute studs. Uh, those are going to be the top four that we talk about. Um, and then there's, and then for the rest of them, it's, it's basically just a plug and play or try to find the best matchups. Like last year, you wanted to find the tight end that played against Arizona. Uh, maybe the tight end that played against the Giants. Those, those teams are pretty bad against the tight ends. Um, so... We got some guys. What we're going to do today is we're going to talk about the top nine uh, PPR tight ends that are ranked by Fantasy Pros, and then we each chose two of our own that um, that we're going to talk about for you guys too. So in total, we're each going to have five. We're going to have 15 total tight ends to talk about, but we're not just going to break down the top 15. We're going to break down the top nine and then give you two of our favorites outside of the top outside of the top 10 that we like. Uh, any questions before we get started, guys? I'm good. I'm ready to roll. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, it's just going to break down like we've done our quarterbacks and wide receivers and running backs. So uh, just talking about the tight ends. So I get to start us off here because I wanted this first guy. It's Hayden Hurst coming in at number nine. He's now with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, He's stepping into an excellent, excellent situation for just anybody in a passing offense. But for him specifically as a tight end. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons have vacated 258 targets this year with uh, Austin Hooper going over to Cleveland. Um, I believe they're adding in I believe they're adding in Mohamed Sanu in there too because uh, even though he was traded, he's still some targets that are now gone. Todd Gurley is now gone or Todd Gurley's there now. Sorry about that. Um, that was fast. Yeah, <laughs> Todd Gurley's gone. Um, but yeah, between Mohamed Sanu Austin Hooper, and then some other guys. They have 258 open targets. Now, Hayden Hurst, he was kind of undershadowed by another guy that's that's on this list. Um, Mark Andrews, we're going to talk about him a little bit later on. He's higher up on the list. So they 
the Ravens drafted Mark Andrews and Hayden Hurst in the same draft, and and they like to use a lot of a lot of two tight end sets. They even have another guy there too. Uh, is, is it Boyle? He's still there. Nick mm-hmm. Boyle. Boyle's still there. Yep. So like he kind of is going to step in to and, and kind of replace what Hayden Hurst was last year um, in Baltimore. But now Hayden Hurst comes over to Atlanta and he gets to play in probably the most pass happy offense that there is. Um, they still have, I mean, they got guys that are going to be doubled up on the outside with Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. Uh, they, they brought in a running back that although he does have some injury concerns, he's an upgrade from Devonta Freeman. So he's going to need to get some uh, focus his way. So that tight end position is going to be just wide open there. I mean, Hayden Hurst, he honestly should be ranked higher. I would personally rank him higher. And, and if he wasn't in this top nine, and when I go to choose my other two that we we're going to talk about, it would have been Hayden Hurst. Um, he's probably my favorite tight end this year. I'm trying to grab him anywhere that I can. He really isn't going. like He's he's not even being drafted in the top nine tight ends. You see guys like like Gronk is being drafted over him. Um, I've seen Ebron be drafted over him a couple times. And, and Ebron's in another two tight end set over there in, uh, in Pittsburgh now with Vance McDonald. So Hayden Hurst, he's, he's just getting overlooked. Um, and I don't know why because, like I said, Atlanta is – they're pass heavy. They uh, Matt Ryan likes his tight end. We saw it past couple of years with Austin Hooper. Uh, last year, Hayden Hurst, he he played all 16 games, uh, 30 catches, 349 yards, two touchdowns. Like I said, he was overshadowed by Mark Andrews, and I just absolutely love him. I'm I personally think he should be higher. I think by the end of the year, we could see a a top four, top five guy here. He's uh, I don't think we would put him in the same conversation as like your Travis Kelsey and George Kittle and even Zach Ertz of the past couple of years where we have like a, these are the three guys you definitely need to grab first. And then you got all your other guys, but he's definitely with Atlanta. He's going to be as long as he's there. And as long as Matt Ryan's the quarterback, he's going to be within this top eight to 10 range, I believe. Yeah. I mean, I think for me personally, I've seen his ADP rise more than any other tight end on the board, I would say. So, I mean, you mentioned a few times seeing him slip, but I think as we've done mocks and real drafts now over the past few weeks, I mean, I've seen him go as high as a top five tight end over Darren Waller, Ingram, Henry, all those names. So, I mean, he's one of the biggest risers that I've seen as we approach the season. You already mentioned a lot of the stats already. When you mentioned all those targets that were vacated, I mean, that's 40% of what the Falcons had last season. That's pretty significant, and it led it leads the entire league, uh, the Falcons, doing vacated targets. And, I mean, Austin Hooper had a ton of production last year, only played 13 games, 97 targets, had an 18.5% target share. So Hayden Hurst is going to have an opportunity to step in and be a guy that could probably, or, you know, I would probably bet that he sees over 100 targets as the third option on a pass-happy offense. Yeah, no doubt. Any... uh. Any thoughts on him, uh, Zach, before we get to the next guy? Um, I'm not as high on him as you guys are. Uh, you know, I, I like all the vacated targets there. It's just a little difficult for me to just say that Hertz is going to come there and get everything that, that Hooper has. So he's got to get on the field and prove it first for me. But definitely has the opportunity and the ability, you know, to, to be able to 
succeed this season. So I'm excited to see him. I, I'm a little hopeful that it, he kind of draws a little bit of the coverage away from Julio and Ridley just to, you know, kind of give them a bump. It, it, you know, we, we have to bring up Matt Ryan's name in this. He's got to be a quarterback that, that needs to be highly targeted because of all these weapons that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. They're going to be one of the pass heavy teams in the league. So, you know, if, if Hertz is able to, uh, you know, really take a step forward this year with this opportunity, I think he could be a, a nice value where he's going right now. All right, perfect. Next up, we got Hunter Henry coming in at number eight for the Chargers. And that was, I believe that was you, Apex, correct? Indeed. All right, sell us on Hunter Henry. All right. Well, first thing I wanted to kick off was the the, uh, competition for targets seemed to take a little bit of a hit. Uh, Mike Williams had a a shoulder injury in practice. He's going to be a little week to week. We're not sure how much time he's going to miss. And uh, there's not a lot of other weapons here in the, uh, for the chargers here. We have Keenan Allen, who's always going to be a, a, a target hog. And, and uh, the, the biggest question mark I think is at the quarterback position coming into this year, how's Tyrod or potentially Herbert down the road going to use these different weapons that he has. Uh, Hunter Henry played 12 games last year. He had 76 targets. Uh, he's a good part of the offense offense you know i believe he he's able to you know pick up that some of the slack here became uh become sort of a uh, security blanket for tyrod uh over the middle of the field um with rivers he's shown some flashes he, he he's played behind the heels of, of gates for a couple seasons and and has really you know shown his ability to to be able to perform at a high level um, he was getting a lot of hype over the past couple of years. He ended up going down about a year or so ago and, and missing the entire season in, in the training camp injury. But, you know, for, for 2020, you know, I think he he could be a, a nice dark horse to finish in this, you know, t- top 10 range that you're going to be okay with if, if you miss out on some of the top tight ends that we'll get to later. Um, you know, pretty consistent guy, I think. I think he's got a chance for some touchdown upside with, like I said, not a lot of weapons there around him to, to steal some targets. So, you know, I, I can see he comes in at number eight here. I can see a, this being a good spot for Hunter Henry. All right. Just um, just feeding off that a little bit with Tyrod. He's He hasn't started a lot in this league. Now, he had those three years that he started in Buffalo, and he did start out in uh, Cleveland before he got hurt and Baker took over. But the three years that he was in Buffalo – he had Charles Clay, and these weren't Charles Clay's best years. His best years, he had a couple good years in Miami, but they were consistent years. Um, the three years that he had Charles Clay, he had 51 for 528 and three touchdowns, 57 for 552 and four touchdowns, and 49 for 558 and two touchdowns. So touchdowns are, I mean, averaged out to be three, and the yardage was within, what, 25 yards of each other, and the targets were all about the same. So Tyrod's he he looked the tight ends way. He's not a deep um, a deep field or down down the field passer by any means, and that's more what Mike Williams does. And if Mike Williams does happen to miss any time, I think Hunter Henry definitely gets a boost there. Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler out of the backfield, but I think Henry could be a, a pretty solid tight end here with uh, Tyrod throwing him the football. Like I said, we've seen some consistency at least over over that little three year span um, that he that he was able to hit Charles Clay and and put up some decent weeks. Now, not like your Travis Kelseys and George Kittles, but he's uh, definitely definitely a guy that you could trust in your lineup more often than not. Um, Doc, any thoughts on Henry? And if not, then you can move on to your guy, Tyler Higby, at seven. 
Yeah, so I'll go into Tyler Higby. I mean, I think with Hunter Henry, he's being drafted fairly. He was eighth in points per game last season. I mean, there's question marks with Tyrod and how that offense is going to be run. So I think that's fair for him. I don't think he has a ton of upside at his ADP, but I think he's a reliable option. And I would call him their number one red zone threat. So I uh, I think it's a fair value for him. But with Tyler Higby, I mean, this guy has continued to fly up draft boards. As a Rams fan, I mean, I caution people to not buy into the Tyler Higby hype. And I've talked about Gerald Everett a little bit previously, but he's the primary pass-catching tight end that the Rams have. And, yeah, I know the whole storyline of them running two tight end sets, and I think that's a trend that's going to continue into this year. So Higby and Everett will both be on the field, but Higby up to this point has really been more of a run and pass blocker, and that's really his specialty. He's one of the highest rated run blockers among the tight end position in the entire league. And when you look at when Gerald Everett was healthy last season, yeah, I mean, it would be crazy for me, though, with all the negatives with Gerald Everett coming back, it would be crazy for me, though, to not talk about how dominant he was during that five game stretch it was a small sample size but I really I think it's you know I just can't stress enough how important it is to understand this offense and that Higby's role isn't of a pass catcher with Woods Cooper Cup I would probably put Van Jefferson and Josh Reynolds ahead of uh, Tyler Higby I'd put Gerald Everett ahead of him. So there's quite a few guys ahead of him. They are a pass-happy offense, but I don't know if the targets are going to be there for him to put up top 10 numbers. But going into that stretch last season, it kind of started week 12, I'll say. So he against the Ravens, he was the number 13 tight end. Then he was number one, number five, number three, number seven, number one. So he was consistently a top five option, really. And uh, funny enough, you already mentioned this team, but can you guess who he was playing when he was the number one tight end twice. I mean, it's the Arizona Cardinals. (laughs) I mean, so that's another factor that plays into that. I personally, and I've mentioned this before, the uh, Cardinals aren't going to be as bad defending the tight end position, so don't get suckered into that because that's why they drafted Isaiah Simmons, who's a really athletic linebacker and talented in coverage. I know that's probably not something a lot of people are considering in fantasy, but I don't expect the Cardinals to struggle against tight ends as much as they did last season. But Tyler Higby was the number one tight end during those five games by a pretty wide margin. I mean, he had over 100 points during those five games, so he dominated, but it was really a matter of, uh, you can see as soon as Everett went down, Higby stepped in. He was running very similar routes, and I wouldn't be surprised if we were uh, talking about Gerald Everett as a top, I won't say top 10, but a top 15 guy next season instead of Tyler Higby. All right. So of the three that we talked about so far, um, who would you rather have if they all had the same ADP, Hurst, Henry, or Higby? I mean, I'd go with Hayden Hurst. I think he has the most upside of all three of those names. Hunter Henry, like I said, I think he's a really safe option. And I haven't mentioned it yet, but I think this is the deepest the tight end position has ever been in fantasy, like in the history of fantasy. I mean, I've been playing since 2003 now, and I can't remember a year where there's been, you know, I can argue 20 tight ends and make their case for being top 10 guys. And I think it's just a matter of how the NFL and that position is evolving. But Hayden Hurst is in a very pass-happy offense. He's definitely the third option there. I don't think Russell Gage is going to take that many targets from him. So uh, when you consider that, he has the most upside at that ADP. All right. Uh, going into number six here, uh, that's me again. We got Evan Ingram. 
He's uh, obviously he's with the New York Giants. He's had a couple injury-riddled seasons. Last year, he only played eight games. The year before that, he only played 11 games. And this is off of his rookie year where he had 115 targets, played all 15 out of the 16 games, 722 yards, six touchdowns on 64 catches. Um, thought that he was the next... Next big tight end for the New York Giants, which he still still can be. I mean, he's only 25, 26 years old now. He's uh, he's definitely he's definitely got some opportunity there. Um, with Daniel Jones, he's uh, obviously a young quarterback going into his second year, and we, we seem to seem to talk about it quite a bit. Anytime we talk about tight ends and young quarterbacks, we try to put that correlation together. Um, I see more of Evan Ingram. I see him, if he can stay healthy, I, I can see him having a pretty big year for the fact that they, and I've mentioned this before, the Giants have a really tough schedule. And how does that make sense, you ask? Well, I'll tell you. Um, it's going to be a... Nobody <laughs> It's going it, to... The tough defenses that they play, number one, they're going to try to shut down Saquon Barkley because he's by far the, the, the best and most explosive option on that, uh, on that offense as far as... Uh, as far as weapons go. So they're going to try to shut them down. And there's going to be some teams that, at least if, I mean, maybe if they don't, they're at least going to do their best to try. They got Pittsburgh on the schedule, Chicago, San Francisco. Dallas has a pretty good defense now. The Redskins or the Washington football team, if um, mm -hmm. if they have any any kind of plus to that, that team, it's the defense for sure, the Eagles. So these are all teams that they play within the first within the first 10 weeks uh, with a couple of other teams sprinkled in there too, who also have pretty good defenses. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a, uh, an excellent front seven. So um, if Daniel Jones has any time to pass at all and he can't get it to Saquon Barkley out of the backfield, it's going to go to Evan Ingram over the middle um, or in those short routes. Now Slayton, Golden Tate, and uh, Sterling Shepard, they're all, slot receiver type receivers so they are probably going to be going over the middle too uh, but ingram i believe is the safest option of everybody there um there's really no huge chemistry between any of them i mean slate probably has the most chemistry with daniel jones between everybody all the past catchers on that team from the time that they played last year together um but having having a tight end like evan ingram his his body size he's he's got excellent hands uh, having him there over the middle while these big defenders, TJ Watt, Khalil Mack, Nick Bosa, they're all chasing you down. Evan Ingram's a nice safety blanket to, to get you those PPR points and, and try to move the chains a little bit over the middle. And he's not my favorite tight end on this list. I mean, obviously, I think Hayden Hurst is probably my favorite tight end on the list. Mm -hmm. But he's definitely a guy that if I could get him late enough, I would definitely target because of... I'm just pushing the injury to the side. If he plays all 16 games, I think that he could have a really solid season in Daniel Jones' second year and kind of just kind of just helping him get out of trouble with these tough defenses that they face. And we got uh, Zach, you're up with Darren Waller. If you want to touch on Higby and Ingram, you can. If not, just dip right into Waller. Um, well, you guys echo a lot of my thoughts. Uh, I am a little bit higher on Evan Ingram. Um as well as I'm lower on uh, Tyler Higby, as as uh, Doc pointed out. But um, for me, just like you said, uh, Ingram's going to be that security blanket for Jones over the middle, and uh, he 
he definitely possesses a lot of athletic ability. So I like Ingram this year in the in the, in the middle round tight end range. Uh, moving on to to Darren Waller, um, you had mentioned about you know the top two or four tight ends. Uh, I was guessing that you probably left off Darren Waller. I believe you know he had a great breakout year last year with you know 117 targets. You know he had 90 receptions for over 1,100 yards. Uh, the only area that I want him to improve in is his touchdowns. He only had three touchdowns, but I, I swear I was watching that Green Bay Packers game and he probably got into the end zone three or four times and it got kept getting called back on penalties. So, you know, I, I expect Waller to be a top option for this offense. Um, I just saw today that the Tyrell Williams has a torn labrum in his shoulder. So again, an, another situation where the, the competition around him is getting hurt, unfortunately. So it's just, uh, you know, a lot of people, the, the off season narrative have said the, all the draft capital they got and, and the, uh, the, the people that they signed and all the weapons that they brought in were, were going to take away from, from Waller's opportunity there. And now we're seeing them kind of, you know, fall one by one. We have Ruggs, who's a, a slot guy, speedster, who's not really going to take Darren Waller targets. And then uh, Renfro, another slot guy, you know, so he's Waller's got the middle of the field to himself, similar to what you were talking about with Evan Ingram. So I don't expect a drop in targets at all. I expect him to remain one of uh, Derek Carr's top options. And uh, it's it's a little intriguing to see him, you know, kind of fall in, in later rounds. It seems like we have the, the top four tight ends go. And then we have like a two to three round stretch where we're not seeing Darren Waller come off the board until like the, the middle or late seventh or something like that. So I think he pre- uh, presents a tremendous value where he's getting drafted at. And uh, especially for a top tight, uh, top five tight end with the ability to, to finish higher as he did last year. So I'm very high on Darren Waller this year. I expect another big season for him. Yeah. I think the only reason that he's kind of just not necessarily dropping down, but he's not up in that top four, uh, with the next four guys that we're going to talk about actually is because of the kind of moves and stuff that that Vegas has made over the offseason and the hype that they're getting. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. they were the first team to take a wide receiver off the board, so they think that he's just going to come in and uh, and kind of take some targets away with, with Henry Ruggs. And then they go and grab Brian Edwards a little bit later on in the draft, and now he's getting a lot of looks, and he's, he's slowly creeping up draft boards too. You can still get him real late, 14th, 15th round, but he's definitely a steal if you grab him. Uh, they obviously brought in Jason Witten, who is a dinosaur, but he's still, I mean, he's definitely going to command some targets. And then they also said they want to get Josh Jacobs involved a little bit more. So if Darren Waller is, I mean, I, I definitely think he's going to lose a little bit of targets, but he can make up what he loses just by touchdowns. He only had three touchdowns last year. So even just some more touchdowns is going to help him. Um, and that's where the little bit of a gap comes from is he didn't get into the end zone as much as you'd like your tight end that, that had over 115 targets and what was it? 90 something receptions or 80 something receptions last year. He only had three touchdowns. So just law of averages that has to, it has to go up, I guess. But um, there's a lot more targets on that team now than, than what there was a year ago. Hunter Renfro, we haven't even mentioned. He's, he, he started to come on a little bit later on in the season. We don't even know where he's going to fit in. He he kind of plays over the middle just like Darren Waller does. Even though they're two completely different body types, they still cover the same area of the field. Um, the funny thing I want to bring up, though, is is uh, last week when we talked about uh, wide receiver. Who did we talk about last week? We talked about wide receivers, right? No, quarterbacks. Yep. 
forgot who we talked about. Whoever it was. <laughs> was it? Well, whatever it was, we had our other uh, adamant on here, Blake, and all the all the wide receivers that he got were were guys from his his division, except for his team. So he's a Bears fan. He had he had a Packer, he had a Lion, and he had a Viking. And now this week we're talking about tight ends, and you're having you you have all three of the tight ends that had kind of a major injury um from their team that kind of just boosts that tight end stock now you can't really boost george kittle up that much and that's who your next guy is and you'll get to him but san fran had an injury uh vegas had an injury and the chargers had an injury so all your guys are getting boosted up i just wanted to put that little stat out there but um moving on to the next one here it is zach ertz uh Doc, that is you. If you want to touch on any of the last couple of guys we talked about, if not, just jump right into Zacherts. Yeah, I mean, I'll quickly mention Darren Waller. I mean, I kind of like him depending on where you can get him. I don't think he's going to get as many targets as he had last year. And essentially, he was a volume play. And I think that's the kind of tight end that he needs to be. So if that target share goes down at all, I think it has a huge impact. I know I've said a few times, people think I'm nuts, but Jason Witten's going to eat into that target share. I don't care how old he is. He had 83 targets last season with the Cowboys. And the Cowboys have a better wide receiver core than the Raiders do. So he was taking targets away from guys like Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper. And I mean, he was probably the fourth option in that passing game but I mean he's just uh, he's a legend at that position and quarterbacks trust him so I know it's insane but Jason Witten is going to take some targets and I don't expect his touchdown numbers to go up at all because people don't talk about Foster Moreau who is another rookie tight end they had last year but he was actually a beast in the red zone and that's the guy they look at in the red zone he only played 11 games but he had five touchdowns and uh, I, I know I, I like him I think he's a great red zone threat not really fantasy relevant but I think Waller, if he slips into that like eighth round range, is a pretty good value because he's going to have volume. He'll have around probably 90 to 100 targets, but I don't know if he's going to be in that 120 range like he was last year. So that's my only issue with him. But Zach Ertz, I honestly don't have a lot to say. Once you start getting into these top few tight ends, I think the difference here is that Zach Ertz is the number one option on his team. And that's what we're talking about with these top guys. When we talk about Kittle, Andrews, and uh, Travis Kelsey, they're the top options on their team. And really, that's I just said it with uh, Darren Waller. But when you're looking at a top tight end, it's all about volume. And Zach Ertz is going to be one of the leaders and targets among the tight end position. He was number two last season. It doesn't ma- matter if Dallas Goddard's there. They're both going to be target monsters. This is the most tight end heavy uh, offense in the entire NFL they run two tight end sets over 75% of the time. So, I mean, it's very, very tight end heavy. And Zach Ertz is going to be the number one option. Uh, I guess the only negative against Ertz, for me, is his ADP. I mean, I see him slip into that fifth round right around there most of the time. And that's not a spot I'm personally comfortable with because, like I said, I think this is a really deep tight end class. And I think you can find more upside in rounds 8 through 12. But uh, Zach Ertz is one of the safest options at tight end. If you want to lock down that position and have a plug-and-play guy every week, he's your guy, especially if you're drafting and you're not high on any of the running backs going on in that range. I mean, there's times where I've seen you're deciding between Zach Ertz and David Montgomery. If you don't think David Montgomery is going to turn around or maybe your running back position is set, I don't mind taking Zach Ertz. But overall, I tend to like to load up on running backs and wide receivers in the range that Ertz is going. So I'm not completely sold on taking him at that ADP. All right, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, he's he kind of dropped a little bit from uh, the past couple of years. We were talking about 
just the past couple of years that uh, it was Kelsey Kittle, Ertz were the top three, um, but Mark Andrews kind of jumped into there and now kind of bumping Zerk out, kind of bumping Zach Ertz down a little bit. Plus uh, the addition of Dallas Goddard uh, that the Eagles have from a couple of drafts ago. He's kind of they run a lot of two tight end sets or Goddard's getting on the field a little bit more because uh, he's. I wouldn't say that he's a Zach Ertz clone, but he's definitely a very nice complimentary piece to Zach Ertz. And if we were to see Zach Ertz go, uh, Goddard could definitely step in and be the number one. And we may be talking about Dallas Goddard in this spot next year. Um, moving into the top three, we've said it multiple times already just this episode. You guys kind of already know who they are. And if you've done any kind of drafts, I mean, we're at the end of August, so I'm sure you guys know who the uh, who the top three tight ends are. But all three of these guys, and the way that uh, Fantasy Pros does their rankings is they have a bunch of a bunch of experts submit their rankings anywhere between. I mean, depending on the time of year, you could have twenty guys submit their rankings and a, and a list is compiled, compiled, or one hundred and fifty guys submit their rankings and a list is compiled. So, in this case, it was eighty-four experts submitting their tight end rankings, and at the very least, one of them um, had each of these guys ranked number one in their rankings for tight ends. So that's including Mark Andrews. So somebody out there, maybe multiple somebodies, but at least one somebody has Mark Andrews uh, ranked number one over Kelsey and Kittle, which is, I mean, definitely understandable. He was one of the top tight ends last year. He led the league in touchdowns from the tight end position, one of three players in the entire league to have uh, three or double-digit receiving touchdowns outside of uh, running backs. Um, he is, this is the other guy that was, uh, splitting, not even really splitting time. He was on the field with, uh, Hayden Hurst last year and, and Mark Andrews was the one that emerged. He's Lamar Jackson's favorite target besides, uh, besides Lamar Jackson's legs. He, I mean, even with regression from Lamar Jackson and even Mark Andrews, he's still going to get into the end zone seven, eight times. He's still going to catch the ball. A lot of times. I mean, I got his stats up here right now. Last year, he was he was targeted 98 times for 64 receptions, 852 yards, and 10 touchdowns. Now, there's no reason why those targets, receptions, and yardage has to go away. That could that could remain exactly the same. The touchdowns. I mean, you can't really predict touchdowns. Those can take a dip, but at the same time, I mean, they could stay the same. They. I mean this Baltimore Ravens offense can they can move the football they're going to get into the red zone a lot they're going to score a lot of touchdowns um will we see Lamar get 36 again maybe maybe not I'm I'm on the maybe not side but there's no reason why even with say 28 touchdowns Mark Andrews can't have 9 10 of them there's I mean Maybe we see a little bit of a jump up from Hollywood Brown. Maybe we see one of these rookie wide receivers come in and uh, and take some work away. And maybe we see J.K. Dobbins get some receiving work. But for now, Mark Andrews is the top receiving option on that team. As Doc already said, that's that's what these top three to four guys are. Zach Ertz, Andrews, uh, Kittle, and Kelsey. And yeah, I mean, I can... He definitely has the potential to finish as the number one overall tight end above Kelsey and Kittle, and I. The only reason I don't have him on a lot of teams is because of his draft capital. Same reason with Doc and Zach Ertz, and and I'm sure Mark Andrews is, is in the same boat for you. But 
he's if you could get your hands on him or if you're comfortable with your first couple picks and mark andrews is sitting there say at the end of the third round you got that turn that 312 41 turn take mark andrews um and, and be happy with a tight end that you can trust for all 16 games and we got uh we got apex here for george kittle number two comes in as number two on the list if you want to touch on andrews Ertz, or waller uh, or Andrews or Ertz, you already touched on Waller. You can. If not, then you could jump right into Kittle. Um, I'll touch on uh, Andrews a little bit. You know, I like him similar to you guys. We just uh, recently did our, our Superflex Dynasty. I ended up getting Mark Andrews in, like, the sixth round. So, you know, you're talking about him at the end of the third. So it, it kind of depends on, on your league type. You know, uh, we are, you know among the opinion that there's a lot of tight ends out there. So they kind of fell in our draft. I believe, uh, you know, Kelsey was in the fifth and um, I ended up grabbing Mark Andrews in the sixth. So, you know, definitely, as you said, he's the top option that kind of leads into Kittle. Kittle's definitely the top option uh, as well. You know, I don't need to, you know, sit here and prove to you how good George Kittle is. He's just a monster out there. He's, you know, he averaged about eight targets a game last year, and that's, you know, that was even down from the year before. He did end up missing two games, so that kind of, you know, took away some opportunity a little bit. But, you know, you look at the 49ers, you know, current state of their team, and, and Debo is, you know, up in the air for week one. He suffered the injury in, in June, so we're not sure if, if he's going to be out there or how long he's not going to be out there. And, uh, you know, Brandon Ayuk, the first-round receiver they just drafted, he's came up a couple practices ago with a hamstring injury so you know the list goes on for them it just basically all kind of concludes that george kittle is going to be the number one and and you know you know doc mentioned it with Ertz. i think kittle's probably going to be the the target leader for tight ends in uh, fantasy this year just because you know even with these guys healthy you have a rookie in iuk and and um you know you have a second year debo samuel that's not going to be a a target hog but he's going to get his share you have George Kittle here that is just the first, second, third option for, for Jimmy Garoppolo. And, you know, I, I can guarantee that, you know, Jimmy's already thinking in his head that if he's in any kind of trouble, he's got to find George Kittle. Mm-hmm. And uh, if he hadn't, you know, already targeted him on the pass already. But, uh, you know, so, you know, that that's basically Kittle in a vacuum. There, You're going to see the a, a ton of receptions based off of the targets you're going to see the a similar yards he's gone over a thousand the last two years he had 1300 in, in 2018 before missing a couple games last year and uh he's going to get into the end zone as well so you know kelsey kittle they are interchangeable one and two uh nobody can fault you for taking kittle number one over kelsey uh, so you know these guys are just elites and and probably the the only two that i'm willing to spend up on in drafts in that like mid second to to third round range yeah and they uh between both kelsey and kittle they they both signed some big deals for their team so they're going to be in dynasty leagues at least they're going to be around for a little bit now kittle or kelsey is the uh, little older one he's 31 where i think kittle is 26 or so um, 27 27 so four-year difference but they both signed similar length deals so even with kelsey being a little bit older they're still if if you grab either one you're, you're going to get them i mean you might get kittle for longer he could has a, he could have another contract in him but um at least for the foreseeable future they're both going to be there for the same amount of time um doc i'm going to give you a little bit of a challenge here 
I hope you're, do you like oh challenges? <laughs> I no. mean, I'm sleeping. There's really not much that you can say to sell us on Travis Kelsey and same thing with George Kittle. Um, but Apex, did a pretty good job of, of selling us. So why don't you sell us on why Travis Kelsey won't finish as tight end one? Try to, try, oh, try to push yeah. somebody else up because, uh, Pivot. Otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, it's just one <laughs> sentence. Travis Kelsey is the number one target for Patrick Mahomes. That's enough. That's all you need. Take him in the first round. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I think that if somebody's going to finish ahead of Kelsey or Kittle, I mean, it comes down to who has the potential to be the number one target on their team. I mean, I mentioned that before, but before I actually get into that, just a random thought that popped into my head. I think it's kind of interesting that Andrews and Kittle are two of the top three guys. Because, you know, you tend to target guys that are in pass-happier offenses, and those two offenses were uh, the bottom two teams in pass attempts. So it's just kind of interesting to think about Andrews and Kittle being the number one targets on run-heavy teams, but they still have a ton of fantasy relevance. So I think that's kind of interesting. But when you're looking at other tight ends that could potentially finish above Travis Kelsey, I think the biggest thing is you could say, you could argue that Travis Kelsey isn't the number one target on his team. You could see them target Tyreek Hill more this season. Uh, you could see them target Allaire, taking away targets potentially. So they do have options there. Even Sammy Watkins had over 90 targets last season. People forget about him, but he actually had a pretty solid year. Hardman advances. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I tried. I think you and I probably tried to as a, a Bills and a Rams fan, but... I, uh, yeah, I mean, so it comes down to if Kelsey loses targets to those other options, I think that's probably where you'd see him slip. But if you're looking at other guys that could potentially finish ahead of him, I know it's crazy and I've kind of argued against people that have said this before, but Evan Ingram does have that potential. I mean, he was on a pace to almost have over a thousand yards. And when you look at all those other options, I think Evan Ingram could be the number one target, uh, in, with, with the Giants. I mean, those are other solid options. I mean, Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard. I like Darius Slayton's upside, but these, at this point, they're just solid options. Evan Ingram's explosive, and he has game-changing ability when he is on the field. So for him, I think it's a matter of just staying on the field, and I do think he could jump into that elite category uh, given a 16-game season. And I know we hate talking about that, but based on Evan Ingram's history, it's a pretty valid and relevant point to bring up to this point so i mean i think that's the only way you're gonna have to see a tight end like you know i love mike gesicki who i'm gonna talk about a little <laughs> bit so i know caveman loves Devonte parker in our group but i mean the reality is mike gesicki was a top 10 guy down the stretch last season if he's able to continue to build rapport with ryan fitzpatrick or even tua if tua ends up starting i love tua's accuracy and i don't really think it hurts gesicki too much but at the end of the day i think that he has the potential to jump into that elite range just because i do think he could be their number one target i think he's a game changer with his athleticism at the tight end position uh Devante parker i think can continue to develop into a number one wide receiver but when you have a big tight end like gesicki that can line up in the slot move to the outside line up next to their tackle and move all around the field that's a, there's a ton of value to an offense in that so I think in order for Kelsey to not finish number one you're going to have to see one of these guys really establish themselves as the number one target uh, with their offense yeah and fun fact 806 um, not only does caveman love Devonte Parker but he also loves Evan Ingram too so it's uh, <laughs> a couple guys that couple guys that we talked about today so that is the top nine and with that being said i do have a little 
ticker here that I'm going to add onto the screen. You guys can't see it, but when you watch this video back later, um, you two will be able to see how awesome it looks. I got a nice, nice golden yellow color uh, font scrolling across the top nine tight ends, and it just looks beautiful. We're just we're just adding every day to this podcast that we do, just making <laughs> making the experience the number one experience that's out there for you guys. So we only talked about three guys each. Uh, we each have two more guys that we personally like that are outside of the top nine that um, that we believe can finish either in the top nine or just people that you should go out and either be like a streamer option or, or take late in your draft and and try to uh, and try to find a consistent option there because that's that's the tough thing about the tight ends is you know who your consistent guys are and we don't even know if Mark Andrews is going to be an, a consistent guy like he's he's there at number three. Zach Ertz, he's shown some consistency over his years, but Mark Andrews, at the end of the day, he's only had the one season with Lamar Jackson. Um, and then, so we don't know how, if he's going to replicate what he did last year, or if he just kind of was a, a one-year wonder and kind of just falls off the face of the earth. So um, for now, I mean, he's ranked number three, and, and it's a good ranking, especially with the season that he had last year. But we want to try to find that next Darren Waller, that next Mark Andrews, and that's what we're going to try to do with these next couple picks that we got. So we'll keep the same order which is kind of jumping around because we'll give you the ranking that they that they come in on the on the ranking sheet but we'll keep the same order so I'll go I'll start here my first guy that I got is Jonu Smith of the Tennessee Titans they got him ranked in a PPR league at 16 so that's in that TE2 range um, kind of sandwiched between one of the guys that you're going to talk about Jordan and another guy that uh that apex is going to talk about with dallas goddard in the middle so um kind of we, we you got the number 15 guy apex has the 18 guy goddard 17 john o. smith comes in at 16 so we saw last year john o. smith the tennessee titans we, we saw the titans kind of be a strong run heavy team that was just on the legs of derrick henry and for good reason i mean if you got derrick henry back there and and earl thomas is your lead blocker you're not gonna you're not gonna not give derrick henry the ball um but they have to have some kind of passing game there aj brown going into a second season he's uh he's definitely a very viable option he's getting picked in um in, in those middle rounds i i don't know off the top of my head what his exact adp is but they need a guy outside of A.J. Brown that Ryan Tannehill with his shiny new four-year $114 million contract that he could throw to. Corey Davis has been kind of a bum up to this point. Um, Adam Humphreys is – he doesn't – you don't get real excited about Adam Humphreys as you would if, say, he went to New England or if he stayed in Tampa Bay and was catching balls with Jameis Winston down there. But So that guy, I think, is John o. Smith. He is – He's an excellent, excellent tight end. He's a big, he's a big body, 6'3", 248 pounds. He played in all 16 games last year, had 35 catches for 439 yards and three touchdowns. I believe all of those numbers just shoot up. Uh, half of the season was with Marcus Mariota, so now we get a full season with Ryan Tannehill. Um, we get to see how... We get to see if he can if he can take that next step. This is his fourth year going. This is his fourth season. Um, he had forty four reception or forty four targets last year. Turn like I said, turn that into thirty five receptions. I think that all of those numbers he could he could probably get into like the 
75-80 target range with about 60-65 receptions, maybe double up his yardage and, and get a couple more touchdowns and kind of put him up there with um, with your Zach Ertz's and Darren Waller's and, and just and just kind of just make some magic happen. But John o. Smith, he is he's going real late. I've I've grabbed him in a couple drafts that we've done recently. I'm in probably 20 sleeper leagues right now, and all the drafts happen to be going on at the same exact time. Uh, John o. Smith, I've grabbed in for the most part the last like two to three rounds. Um, sometimes as my first tight end, other times as my second tight end with upside. But I'll, I'm I'm happy to go into the season if I had him as my TE one and just start him right out of the gate and see what happens. And and if he doesn't have any kind of chemistry with uh, Ryan Tannehill, I'll just drop him and just go the streaming route. But I think that I think that Jano Smith can be can kind of be that next guy there and kind of kind of give another passing option to the Tennessee offense so they don't have to run they don't have to run Derrick Henry into the ground. Yeah, I think he's a reasonable one. I've mentioned the targets numerous times, but I mean, you could argue that Janu is probably going to be their number two target in that passing game. So he'll definitely have an opportunity, even if it's not a high volume passing game. I already mentioned it with Kittle and Andrews. Maybe that doesn't matter as much as we think. I mean, uh, I definitely think that his targets have to go up from 45. I mean, that's not very many targets and he was really productive with the targets that he did get. So I think he's one of those guys. It's just a matter of more volume for him to produce. All right. So now we are on to apex here. Um, who do you want to go with? Um, I'll, I'll kick it off with Doyle. So Why we not? already mentioned that he's, he comes in at number 18 on the list here. All right. Well, one quick thing I wanted to bring up. I, I, uh, I fact checked it. Wanted to make sure we were right. I mentioned George Kittle was 27. He's actually still 26. He will turn 27 in, in uh, early October. So I just wanted to get that, uh, you know, fact in, in there. Oh, so he gets a month and, of uh, being 26, huh? He does. He does. <laughs> that, that makes all the difference. But uh, Jack Doyle here, he's not your super sexy guy. I, I can't sit here and talk about how much upside he has and how athletic he is because he's just not. He's just a, you know, a, a, a good possession guy. And, and that's what Philip Rivers likes. He likes Antonio Gates. You know, the, Henry had a little bit more, you know, talent, athletic ability. But here we have Jack Doyle. Um, Henry had a, a, a 68 uh, catch percentage with Rivers uh, uh, last season. Doyle's never been under 75% except for last year with, with Brissett. So I believe, you know, Rivers coming in is going to give him a, you know, a really good quarterback to throw to the tight end position. And uh, Ebron is also gone. Uh, that vacates about 52 targets in that offense. Uh, they, they're going with the, the drafted rookie, Michael Pittman Jr. So remains to be seen how that's going to figure out they got other options like pascal and and uh, campbell but nobody that's really you know screaming that they're gonna you know make this jump up besides you know maybe michael Pittman. but over the middle of the field he, he's definitely like i said rivers loves the tight end he's going to be that security blanket so you know i can see his uh, his target share going up a little bit as well as his, you know, catch percentage, he's going to be catching those targets. As I said, he, you know, three out of every four, you know, passes that he, he, he gets targeted with, he's going to catch. So that's, you know, definitely going to give you a, a safe, you know, weekly floor. Uh, g- give him, you know, a couple of uh, chances at the at the end zone with with Ebron there. He was a big uh, red zone guy last year. So, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, Jack Doyle, 
you know, has the path to be a top 10 or, or whatever, but he's just a safe guy that, you know, maybe if, you know, you're, you're in a, a couple, a deeper flex league and, you know, going through some bye weeks or injuries, he, he's a guy that you can stick in there and get a nice, you know, you know, game from that, uh, as well as, you know, maybe in your tight end position, he's a bye week filler or, you know, just somebody that you can take later in the, in the drafts and, and just kind of be okay with if you decided to punt the position, uh, completely. Yeah, no, it's uh, I definitely like the Jack Doyle pick. He's he's gonna have some very streamable options. Um, I mean, Jacksonville comes to mind. They play them twice. They don't really have a really good defense. So if I'm sitting there and my regular tight ends on a bye week, and uh, and Jack Doyle's going up against Jacksonville, I might I might pick him up for that week. And and we all know that Philip Rivers loves his tight ends. And even before Philip Rivers got there, and you and you mentioned Eric Ebron. Doyle missed some time the year that Ebron had 13 touchdowns, but then when Doyle came back and Ebron still had 13 touchdowns, Doyle was still getting a lot of looks. It was kind of like a 1A, 1B. It wasn't really like Ebron took over that season. He did have the better fantasy season because of all the touchdowns, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like he it wasn't like he kind of just took over that number one spot and kind of put Doyle in the back seat. Doyle was still he was still pretty relevant as far as like being a real life NFL tight end and he just didn't have all the numbers that you'd want out of him but um so I mean he's just he's as reliable as they come and I think he's gonna have a really good year with uh Philip Rivers there let's go over to you Doc uh you've already mentioned one of your guys so I'll let you get a little bit deeper into him and that's Noah Fant or not Noah Fant um that's, oh my gosh! I just ruined it. I ruined no. it. That's uh, Mike Mike Gusecki. He comes in. A, he just misses our list actually of what we talked about today. But to make it even, to where we all talk about the same amount of guys, we had to drop it down to nine. So Gusecki comes in at actually number ten. So uh, wow. let's hear your thoughts on Mike Gusecki and and why should I why should I buy him everywhere? Yeah, no, that makes me happy. Normally, he's in like that fifteen range. I haven't he's seen just him creeping booming on up there. You draft right, you draft right now. You're not going to get him. I think I'm in so many <laughs> leagues that I'm just upping that ADP at this point. It's you but single-handedly. Probably, yeah, probably that's why I took him from fifteen to ten. That's nice. Just like Joe but, Mixon's uh, I mean, ADP jumped up to like number one point two. <laughs> <laughs> With Caveman, yep. yeah, he has. Um, one thing before I get into Gesicki quick is. I, uh, we haven't really talked about tight end strategy specifically, so before I talk about Gasicki, punt it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I would draft punter. Um, yeah, but if you miss out on Kelsey or Kittle, I mean, my strategy is to just wait on one of these young upside guys. Because like I mentioned with Ertz, I'm not a fan of taking a tight end in that 4, 5, 6 range because you still have some solid wide receiver and running back options, and I think you need to load up on those positions as quickly as you can but um i mean i should have talked about it more when i talked about kelsey but when you draft travis kelsey it gives you a huge positional advantage and that's one of the reasons i used to be really sour on drafting kelsey early but honestly i've kind of i've seen a few people where they'll draft mccaffrey first and then they've taken lamar and kelsey back to back with uh, 2.12 and 3.1. And actually, I kind of like that strategy because you have uh, three positional advantages then when you look at it. You have the best running back, you could have the best tight end, and best quarterback. So I uh, I kind of like that strategy, even though it leaves you a little thin at 
running back, but uh, Kelsey would have finished as wide receiver eight last season. So you're really getting a wide receiver one when you're taking him. And when you look at it that way, his ADP of a late second round pick is really pretty reasonable because that's where you're looking at the top 10 or so wide receivers going. So uh, I, I like where he's going. So, But if you miss out on either one of those guys, Mike Gusecki is usually my guy. Um, I've taken him as my backup a few times as well with upside. You mentioned that previously, but I actually tend to do that with tight ends. I like taking a guy that I can rely on. And I did it. I loved Mark Andrews last season. He was my backup tight end in a lot of leagues, and he ended up starting for me and being obviously really effective. But I think Kosicki kind of fits that same role. I mean, I like the sexy athletic tight ends personally. I mean, he's one of the most athletic (laughs) tight ends in the entire league. Yeah. (laughs) Who doesn't like sexy tight ends? (laughs) <laughs> everybody yeah everybody should i know uh yeah anyway uh, that's for that's <laughs> for fantasy mafia that. after I'm hours i'm gonna make a comment but i was like i don't want to take that any further <laughs> than we already did so yeah i mean when it comes to athleticism i mean all he he scored higher at the combine and everything compared to travis kelsey so i mean that's how athletic he is a lot of people think of Kelsey as the most most athletic tight end in the league right now, and Gusecki is right there with him. So um, I'll go through his stretch last season because I had him ranked sixth in my tight end rankings, and a lot of people gave me a hard time with that. But when you look at his numbers last season, from weeks 8 to 17, he was tight end 8. And then more specifically, the last five weeks of the season, weeks 13 to 17, he was tight end 6. So actually, even though it's a small sample size, he's already proven that he can do it. Uh, Like I mentioned, I think he's going to get a ton of targets. He had a uh, 15% target share last season, and a lot of that didn't come until the second half of the season. And uh, I think it went under the radar, but he did have 89 targets last season, which was seventh among all tight ends. So uh, a big majority of that came in the second half. So I really think if he repeats that second half, you're looking at a top five guy this season. And uh, I haven't even mentioned the Chan Gailey offense yet, which is uh, very pass happy. So even though he hasn't targeted tight ends heavily in that scheme previously, that's one of the things that concerns me a little bit. But I really think that this is their best pass catching option. And Chan Gailey's a smart guy and he'll get him involved. Yeah. And I mean, just just feeding off that a little bit, you mentioned that um, that Chan Gailey doesn't really target the tight ends. At the same time, you think about going down to Tampa Bay, Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski, Bruce Arians doesn't target the tight ends, but you know that he's going to target the tight ends down there. So if they kind of just feed off of what they had last year with Mike Gusecki seeing what he did uh, towards the end of the season, then the last half of the season, then there's no reason why you shouldn't at least game plan and have Gusecki added into your offense a little bit more, even if that's not part of, even if that's not how you came up and, and became the coach that you were, you don't, you don't, uh, you don't let your best players not get the ball. And that's Gusecki is one of the best players on that team. Um, you didn't even mention anything about the opt outs that they had. You didn't mention anything about Preston Williams coming off that ACL, which all of that is going to just help Gusecki even more. And that's, uh, yeah, I mean, if if he wasn't a your guy, I think he would be a my guy, and and you definitely sold me on him since we started. If you were to tell me back in February that Gasecki was going to be a top ten tight end and even could dip into the top five, I might not have believed you. But you've definitely sold me over the course of talking with you this summer, and um, I'm going to try to just snipe him from you in every every draft that we have from here on out. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> uh, going into our next three that we have. Um, this next guy, I really don't have any shares of at all. 
I just I like his opportunity. Um, he's got another newer quarterback thrown to him, not new to the league, but new to his team, and that's Ian Thomas of the Carolina Panthers. And just like with John Smith, and I didn't even mention it, uh, Delaney Walker's not there anymore, obviously. And now Ian Thomas, he doesn't have Greg Olson there anymore. So both of those, both of my guys, kind of just they went from being their team's number twos and kind of stepping into their number ones now. And we've talked about it many times when we talked about Carolina's offense on the Carolina mini pod that we had. The, the type of quarterback that Teddy Bridgewater is, is he's not really a, a down the down the field deep thrower like that. So that like Robbie Anderson, they, they did sign him, but I don't think he's going to be all that crazy. It's it's going to be those DJ Moores. You can't take the ball away from Christian McCaffrey, so he's going to get his catches out of the backfield. And then if I were to have another piece of the offense, it, it would be Ian Thomas. Those It's kind of like the same argument as, as when I said Evan Ingram, but those over-the-middle, kind of just getting open, um, giving him a little bit of a safety blanket. He's he played 16 games both of the past two years. Um but with Greg Olson there, he was kind of uh, kind of in the shadow. But he had 30, 30 targets last year, 16 receptions, 136 yards, and one touchdown. So nothing too flashy. It's another one of those things where kind of if you if you see a tight end plus matchup, he's a good streamer. I'm not saying go out and draft him, but he's a guy that could put together a few good weeks and uh, maybe help you win some games. Now, being in the NFC South, you got the Buccaneers, you got the Saints, and you got the Falcons where there's going to be a lot of points. They have to go back and forth. Those six games right there, I would I would probably look at Ian Thomas and, and say that there's potential for shootouts and have Ian Thomas come in and get you some points. So even if you don't play him the other 10 games of the season, just against the NFC South, I would consider him um, if I don't have one of those top guys or if my guy's on a bye week and they got those matchups. And, and yeah, I mentioned Tampa Bay has a nice front seven, and they got some really good coverage linebackers. Um, Atlanta's defense stinks, so that's definitely...